You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. We will pray and we'll get started. Y'all ready for some word tonight? Yes. I know I am. Amen. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your goodness and faithfulness in our lives. Father, thank you for, again, this opportunity to gather around your word, Father, with believers who are like-minded, who are looking to you and placing their trust and dependency on you. And Father, we believe tonight to receive revelation and insight from your word, and we give the Holy Spirit permission to teach us and to lead and guide us into all truth, to do exactly what Jesus said he would do. And so, Father, we believe to receive tonight, and I believe, Father, as we do, our faith will be strengthened, it'll be fed, we'll grow spiritually, and that, Father, we will Uh, experience life change, and that, Father, we'll purpose in our hearts to not just be hearers of the Word, but we will be doers of it as well. I thank you for it, Lord, and I believe for every single person on here to have anointed hearing ears, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we are, uh, this is week number four in our Faith Refresher study. And uh, so we're going to get into some of these things. Let me hit on some high points that we've talked about over the last few weeks and just review some things. So turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And let's go ahead and look at our definition of faith that's given to us uh, from the Apostle Paul in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Hebrews says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith gives substance. Faith is the substance of the things that we hope for. Let me read the Amplified Translation. It says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So faith gives substance to what we hope for, and it is also the proof that what we cannot yet see in the natural actually belongs to us and actually exists, and it is real. So faith is what gives us that reality. I heard somebody say this, that faith brings the unrealities of hope into the realm of reality. And so hope is great. We need hope. As a matter of fact, let's talk about hope for just a moment. Hebrews 11, 1 in the Passion Translation says this, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So Hope is this. Hope is a positive expectation of of things happening in the future. In other words, hope uh, is an expectation of something that has not happened yet. Uh, Faith, however, takes those expectations of something that has not yet happened in the natural 
and believes that we have already received it and that it is already ours. We talked about how God builds our hopes from the Word of God first, and then he brings us to a place of faith. And then we talked about how, uh, and we looked at Abraham as an example of that, and we talked about how God began to show him what he was going to do in Abraham's life. So what hope is, is a blueprint or a model of what is yet to come. So when we receive the promises of God, what God does is he builds that expectation down on the inside of us and uh, of what that, that could look like for us. Another way to say it is hope is the ability to imagine what is going to happen. So hope is being able to see that thing happening in your life. Not again, hope is always going to leave it in the future, but faith brings it into the realm of now. You know, one way to one easy way to remember this is, uh, you know, every translation of Hebrews 11.1 1 that we've read begins with now. Now faith is. So uh, an easy way to remember it is faith is always now. Faith is always in the now, whereas hope is always in the future. Now you have to have hope, but faith is what gives substance to that hope. Then we spent some time talking about how faith comes into our lives. How do we receive faith? Well, we start out receiving uh, the measure of faith when we're born again. God deposits a measure of his faith down on the inside of our recreated spirits when we're born again. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 tells us that. But it's our responsibility to exercise our faith, to feed our faith, to develop it, to use it, and to cause it to grow. And the way that we feed our faith is this, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, which you all know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we feed our faith with the word of God. And then as we feed it and we exercise it, it will grow. Now, a couple of things that I want you to always remember, and that is this, the principles of faith work the same in every area whether it's salvation, healing, believing for financial provision, uh, it might be you know to receive the baptism and the Holy Spirit, whatever it might be, the principles of faith always work the same in every area. And so you're not going to find one set of principles with faith in one area and not in another. So an easy way to remember that is the same way you got born again. We'll talk more about this in just a little bit, but the same way you got born again by believing in your heart that Jesus died and he was raised from the dead and then confessing him as Lord of your life, that's what gets you born again. Well, the same principle applies in receiving everything from the Lord. So for instance, where healing is concerned, we believe that Jesus took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses, and by his stripes we are healed. That's what Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter chapter 2, 24 tell us. And so what we do is we uh, believe that in our hearts, then we say it with our mouths and receive healing into our lives. So that principle is exactly the same. It works exactly the same in every area. Then last week, we talked about how faith is of the heart and not of the head. 
And so uh, in Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10, I just quoted it to you. Uh, Paul wrote and said this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So it's very important to understand that you believe with your heart heart. Now, not the blood pump, <laughs> the physical heart. It's your spirit. You believe with your spirit. So faith is of the spirit, is of your spirit, of your heart, using those terms interchangeably. And so what you need to understand is faith is not in your head. Faith is in your heart. Now, that being said, we talked about how uh, it is possible for you to have thoughts of doubt that cross your mind and still have faith in your heart, faith working and functioning and operating. And as long as you don't let that doubt go from your head and get down into your heart, your faith will still continue to work. Now, you need to deal with those thoughts of doubt so that, uh, as we said last week, they don't develop into unbelief. But if, you know, listen, I heard, I heard it said this way, and I think it was Brother Hagen that said it. And, it, you know, you cannot stop thoughts of doubt from coming into your head any more than you can stop a bird from flying over your head, okay? But you can stop that bird from building a nest in your hair, all right? So what I mean by that is, is you, you might not be able to stop those thoughts of doubt coming. Thoughts like, well, you're not going to get healed this time, or you're not going to make it this time, or, you, you know, those types of things. You can't, you can't necessarily stop those thoughts from coming into your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your mind, okay? In other words, you can stop those thoughts from being able to come to fruition. First of all, you don't attach any words to it. You don't attach words to it and let it get down into your heart. But uh, if you'll deal with it, take authority over it, speak the word, that thought will die unborn, all right? So as long as you don't get let doubt get in your heart, your faith will still work, okay? So again, how does doubt get into our heart? The moment you start attaching words to it, that doubt will get down into your heart. And, and it, it's still, you can get it out of your heart at that point. You just have to counter it with the word of God. You have to oppose it with the word of God. But it's very, very important to understand that because the reason I emphasize that is because the devil will lead you to believe that if you have thoughts of doubt in your mind, that you're not in faith. You know, he'll he'll try and say to you, well, you know, there you go. You, you're doubting, so you're not in faith. No, you can have those thoughts of doubt cross your mind. Just don't let them get down into your heart, okay? So to believe with the heart, we said, means to accept what God says as the truth. When you believe the word in your heart, it means you accept what God's word says, and I like to say it this way, as the final authority and as the truth in your life, okay? So again, as we quoted earlier, 1 Peter 2.24 talks about how Jesus bought and paid for your healing, 
So if God's word says by his stripes, I am healed, then what my responsibility to do with that is to receive that as the truth, not a truth, but the truth. And therefore my healing is a fact. It is something that has already been established. And so to believe with the heart means that in spite of what I might feel like, in spite of what the circumstances might be telling me, the word of God says, I am healed. And I believe that in my heart. Now, again, thoughts of doubt can cross your mind, but as long as you stay in faith in your heart, you're moving towards a manifestation of your healing. Okay. And so, Again, to believe with the heart means that we believe God's word is, is a fact. It's the truth. And then to believe with our heart means that we refuse to entertain anything that is contrary to what God's word says. Now, what I want to start with tonight is I want to talk about speaking God's word. What does it mean to speak God's word? And uh, we've already talked about Romans 10, 17, uh, which says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, what I want you to see from this verse is this, and, and I, I, I want you to listen to me carefully. You know, you may question what I say sometimes, and, and that's fine. But listen, you always believe what you say. Mm -hmm. You know, if you say something enough, you will eventually believe what you say. Okay, mm -hmm. so what does that mean? Well, if I am speaking the word of God, the ears of my spirit are hearing what is coming out of my mouth. That's coming up out of my heart, up out of my spirit. So faith gets built in you by the words that you speak. Now. If you want to, just for the sake of notes, if you want to make a note of this, there are basically four types of confession that are spoken about in the Word of God. There's confession of our faith. In other words, testifying about what the Lord has done in our lives, confessing uh, our belief and faith in the Lord Jesus. There's the confessing of sin, okay? You know, 1 John 1, 9, that if we sin, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, there, there, the third type of confession is the confession unto faith. The confession unto faith. And what this is, is where we speak God's word in order to build faith in our spirits. So faith is built in you by the words that you speak, okay? So while you're building your faith, and, and this is why I encourage you, and we're going to talk about this, you know, if, if, uh, if, if you download the healing scriptures from our website, for, for instance, and, and you confess those scriptures over your life every single day. Well, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 22 says that the word is healing or health or medicine to all your flesh. So here's what you need to understand is that when you're speaking the word over your life 
as far as physically is concerned, it becomes like medicine to your flesh. And so what you're doing is you're building faith in your heart as you're speaking the word about healing, and the word is working up out of your spirit and having an effect on your flesh body. Okay, so again, uh, when you speak the word of God, you're taking medicine. That's the way I like to look at it. Now, if you'll go with me over to a little book in the New Testament, the book of Philemon, the book of Philemon, and the book of Philemon is a one-page little book in the Bible, and let's look at, it's only one chapter, and so let's look at Philemon 1, 6, Philemon 1, and six, if you have to do like I did and turn in your table of contents real quick, because I lost my place. If you have the right kind of Bible, it's page number 1698. I'm just kidding. All right. So Philemon 1, six, and I'm going to read this out of the old King James, because I like the way that it says it. And, and Paul wrote this letter to this gentleman named Philemon for that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So let me read it again, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So Paul gives us a principle here in this one verse, and let me break it down for you. There, there are some things in the latter part of that verse that he says we need to know. He said we need to acknowledge every good thing which is in us in Christ Jesus. So let me, let me tell you four things that you need to have an intimate knowledge of from the Word of God in the New Testament. Number one, you need to know exactly who you are in Christ. You need to know who you are in Christ. What does that mean? Well, the scripture tells us, and I mean, different verses, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that you're a new creation in Christ. You're not the same person that you were before you got saved. In that same chapter, uh, Paul wrote, and he said that you've been made the righteousness of God. So you have been made right with God. There's other scriptures that tell us, uh, you know, who we are in Christ and what belongs to us. The second thing that you need to know is what was purchased for you in redemption. What belongs to you in the, the completed work and what Jesus did for us in our redemption? Well, you know, most of us will acknowledge that salvation is ours through the plan of redemption, and we should. But, you know, a lot of believers don't understand that healing belongs to us in the plan of redemption. Peace belongs to us in the plan of redemption. Uh, many things. Uh, wholeness uh, belongs to us in the plan of redemption. There's a lot that Jesus bought and paid for, and we need to know what those things are. The third thing that you need to have an intimate knowledge of is what is in you in Christ Jesus. 
The Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. You know, the Bible says that uh, he, in 1 John, it tells us that if he who confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and mm -hmm. he in God. So, uh, you know, you're filled with God himself. You have the presence of God on the inside of you. You have through the new birth and then consequently or afterwards, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have him living in his fullness on the inside of you. So you need to know what is in you in Christ, not just what you possess in Christ, but what is in you. Okay. And then lastly, you need to know what God can do through you and what his word will do in your lips. You need to know what God can do through us and what his word will do through our lips. So what is it that God can do through me? And what is it that God can do when I put his word in my mouth? And so you need to, you need to know those things. Okay. Now I've shared this before, but, and Rick Renner gives this illustration and really helped me wrap my brain around all of this. So again, let me read that verse to you, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by you acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Okay. So I want you to think with me. And of course, your car may still function like this. Some some cars have push button starts now. Uh, but the imagine with me in the back in the day that you had a key that would start your car. You had to put that key into the ignition. And then you had to turn that ignition. And when you would turn that ignition, it would cause the starter to, to turn, which in turn would cause the engine to turn over. And if everything was working like it should, you had fuel and all of that, the engine of your car would then start up and it would begin to work for you. And you could then put the car in gear and you could go where you needed to go. So I want to break this down and I want to give this to you and help you understand, okay? So let's imagine the key that would start your car is the Word of God, okay? So the key that that you might carry in your pocket, you know, I have a key here somewhere in my desk just to show you, okay? But um, like, here they go, all right? So, you know, if I have a, a key, this key, you know, back in the day, they would say Ford on them or GM or whatever it might be. And so you'd have two keys, one that would work your trunk and then one that would open the door and then one that, uh, and the one that would open the door would also turn over in the ignition. So the key that fits in that ignition, this is the word of God. Okay. So the key is the word of God. Where the key goes is your mouth, the word of God works in your mouth. Okay. So, you know, I could have this car key and I could carry it around in my pocket all day long, but until I put it in the ignition and I turn the ignition, I am not going to get any results out of that car. So the same thing is true with the word of God. So the key is the word of God. So you put the word in your mouth, which is the ignition. Okay. So again, I have to put 
I could put the key in the ignition, but I still have something I've got to do. I've got to turn that ignition in order that, to, to get the car to turn over. So the key is turned over in the ignition when you open your mouth and you speak the word of God. Okay. So the key is the word of God. The ignition is your mouth. So you put the key in the ignition and you turn it and something happens. So when you put the word of God in your mouth and you speak it, something happens. Okay. So what, what, uh, what Paul wrote in there when he said that the, your faith becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus, what he's saying to you is your faith begins to work like the engine in that car when you put the word in your mouth and you begin to speak it forth, something happens. Now, listen, I may not understand everything about how that car operates. I just know that if I put my key in the ignition, I turn the ignition, and if there's gas in the car and everything's working like it should, then I'm going somewhere. Well, here's the way you need to understand about the word in your mouth. If you put the word in your mouth and you begin to speak the word, then something happens and you're going somewhere. Now, you may not fully understand how that all works. You may not understand how God does it, but listen, that's really not your responsibility anyway. Just put the key in the ignition and turn the ignition over and let God do the work, okay? Now, so um, how do we do this? How do we begin to understand and how do we begin to work these things? So as you become familiar with those four things that, that I told you that we should know, that we should have an intimate knowledge with, and you take time uh, on a regular basis to declare those things over your life, you are putting the key in the ignition and starting the engine. Now, here's what you need to believe by faith, that that word is working for you whether you see anything happening or not, okay? So you might be confessing the word over your life. Let me use myself as an example. I do my very best every day to speak the healing scriptures over my life. And so, you know, there are days I, I don't feel anything happen when I speak those scriptures over my life, but what I believe by faith is what Proverbs 4.22 says is that as I began to speak those words, that they become life and health and medicine to my body, and the word is at work in my flesh. Now, in this particular case, it's working to produce and to release the healing power of God into my flesh body. And so, uh, again, you know, as I speak the word, I speak the word over my life where prosperity is concerned. And even though I might not see anything immediately happening, what I believe is, is, is actually a couple of things are happening. As I told you, I'm building that faith down on the inside of me. But also, I believe that the word is producing for me. The word is working for me. You know, in... Um, Isaiah chapter 55, I tell you what, 
Uh, go back to Isaiah 55 with me. Let's look there. Isaiah 55, very familiar portion of scripture. Isaiah 55. So again, we're talking about confession, confessing the word unto faith. And by the way, let me say this while you're turning there. You know the best time to speak the word concerning healing in your body is when you don't need to. When you're not fighting sickness and disease. The best time to declare prosperity over your life is, is mm -hmm. when you're not burdened with a bunch of needs. Now, you might have needs, but what I'm saying to you is when the pressure's not on is an awesome time to confess the word over your life. Now, you can do it, you know, if you need healing in your body today. Yeah, speak the word over your life. But the best time to be building your faith where those things are concerned is when you don't need to. Okay. All right. Isaiah 55, verse 10. Isaiah says this by the Spirit of God. He says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. Now, this is the Lord talking. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it, the word, shall not return to me void. Now, I have a little note in my Bible by the word void, and what it does is it gives me a little definition from the Hebrew, and the word void there means empty or without fruit. So let me, let me add that in there. So God says that so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, or without fruit, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Mm -hmm. Well, have you ever asked yourself the question when you're reading this verse in verse 11, when God says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth, it, mm -hmm. the word, shall not return to me void? How does the word return to him? Well, it returns to him when believers put it in their mouths and begin to declare it. So let me say it this way, okay? For as verse 10 again, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and they don't return there, but they water the earth, make the earth bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. In other words, it produces, it causes something to happen. Verse 10 says, so shall my word be that goes forth from God's mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it returns to me in your mouth. I'm adding that. And it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So when God's word declares healing or blessing or prosperity or peace or whatever it is that you are, are confessing the word for, that just like that rain falls from heaven and, and it causes something to happen, that word is going and working for you. And God said it, it is impossible for it to be empty or unproductive and to not bear 
fruit. So again, you know, somebody might say, well, you know, pastor, I confessed those healing scriptures for a week and nothing happened. Well, okay, I understand that. But what you need to understand is that it is working. You just don't see or have not yet experienced the results in the natural yet. Okay, but it is working. Notice mm -hmm. it says, it shall not return to me void. And let me say it this way. It is impossible for God's word not to work. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. It is impossible for God's word not to work, not to accomplish whatever it is God says that it will accomplish. So if the word says, that I am the healed of the Lord, if the word says by his stripes I'm healed, when I confess that with my mouth and I'm speaking it forth, two things are happening. Number one, it's working in me. It's building a capacity of faith. It's causing my faith to be developed and fed, but it's also going into my life and it is, I'm, I'm enabling that word to begin to produce in my life and work for me, okay? And again, the word always works. And it's so important that we understand that. So going back to Philemon 1.6, you don't have to turn there, but again, by acknowledging those good things which are in us, what God has done for us, what Jesus has purchased for us, what you're doing is you're declaring that over your life and it becomes effective. It goes to work and starts to work for you. Now, I was prompted to say this. One thing we need to understand, spiritual things in the natural seem slower than natural things, but they're really not. In other words, you know, it might seem like we've been declaring the word for a period of time and nothing seems to be happening, but you need to understand things are happening. They're just happening in a place that you can't see them yet, okay? And so you need to always remember that. Now, that is confessing the word unto faith. So, you know, again, we put resources on our website that you can download and you can print those things out, and you can begin to declare those things over your life so that you can get the word in your heart and get it out there working for you, okay? So that's how you begin to make those confessions unto faith. So let's talk about how do we put our faith to work for us? So, you know, we have a Another phrase for that, and this is the fourth type of confession, and that is the confession of faith, all right? The confession of faith. So go over with me. We quoted it earlier, but look at Romans chapter 10 again. Romans chapter 10. So we're, we're learning how to release our faith. How do we put our faith to work for us? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 uh, well, let's read verse 8. Verse 8 says this, Romans chapter 10 and verse 8. But what does it say? And this is righteousness of faith. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. 
that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. All right, now these verses specifically speak about salvation. But again, the principles of faith work the same in every area. So let, let's let's say this, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that Jesus took your infirmities, bore your sicknesses, and by his stripes you are healed, you will be healed. For with mm -hmm. the heart one believes unto healing, and with the mouth, confession is made unto healing. Okay, so how do we release our faith? You release your faith with the words of your mouth. Okay, so if, if, if you don't get anything else out of what I say tonight, get this right here. There is no faith without confession. Let me say that again. There is no faith without confession. So faith is built by confession, and faith is released by confession. Faith is put to work by confession. And here's something else. If you're writing, uh, taking notes, write this down. Confession is faith's way of expressing itself along with your corresponding actions. Let me say that again. Confession is faith's way of expressing itself along with your corresponding actions. Confession is faith's way of expressing itself along with your corresponding actions. Okay, now go over with me to Mark chapter 11. And let's look there, as you are familiar, this is the story. And the reason we go back to this particular chapter so much is because it's probably some of the clearest teaching Jesus gave on faith. And uh, the situation around this, if you'll recall, is where Jesus cursed the fig tree and uh, the, the disciples passed by the next morning and the fig tree had withered. And so Peter pointed it out. So in verse 19 of Mark chapter 11, it says, and when evening had come, he went out of the city, verse 20, now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now, I want you to pay close attention to this right here. Notice this again. Now, in the morning, as they passed by, he spoke to the fig tree 24 hours before this. He said, no man shall eat fruit of you hereafter forever. Okay. So now the next morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now, I want you to remember this, and if you have to, underline it, make a note of it in your Bible, or make a note of it in your notes. When you speak the Word of God into your life, it always works at the root and not the fruit. In other words, spiritual things work from the inside out, not the outside in. So again, 
Jesus spoke and his words went to work in a place that you could not see them working on the surface. They went to work, but they worked in a place that you could not see on the surface, and the manifestation of it took 24 hours. In other words, to where you could see it outwardly, it took 24 hours for that to show up. But those words went to work immediately on the root of that situation. So what am I saying to you? When you speak the word of God and you speak to that situation, you need to understand that the word is designed by God to go to work at the root of that situation and not just on the surface. Mm-hmm. Because what happens if you, uh, you know, those of you who have, have done yard work and you've had some weeds in your yard, if you just run through with the mower and clip those weeds, guess what's going to happen? You're going to go back out there two or three days later and those weeds are going to be right there staring you in the face. So what do you have to do? Well, you have to get something, either a tool, a rake, or, or, or some chemicals, but you're going to have to get something that's going to attack those weeds at the root and stop them at the root. Because if you get them at the root, they will never be able to grow back. And see, here's what God is after. That situation in your life that you're talking to, he wants it to die and get out of your life and not be able to grow back. So the word, the word of God always goes and attacks that situation at the root. So it will be done forever. It'll be over forever. Okay. So that's the way the word is designed to work. So again, verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Verse 21, Peter remembering said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Verse 22, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, or the margin says, have the faith of God. Or one one translation says, have the God kind of faith. So this is what God does. This is how God works right here. Jesus is fixing to tell us. Verse 23, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So Jesus just got through telling us, all right, that if I will speak to the mountain and I will believe in my heart and not let doubt get in my heart, but believe that those things which I say will be done or come to pass, I will have whatever I say. Now, again, going back to what we talked about in verse 20. See, a lot of times we speak to the mountain, but we want the top of the mountain. We want to see some action on the top of the mountain. And when we don't see any movement on the top of that mountain, that's when the thoughts of doubt come. Well, I thought Jesus said it would work if I believed it. How come I don't see anything happening? How come I don't see anything moving? Well, what you need to understand about a mountain is sometimes the majority of the mountain is under the dirt, not over the dirt. And that word is going to work on that mountain 
below the surface versus what you can see on top of the surface. All right, so you need to you need to understand that. Okay, so verse twenty four. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. All mm -hmm. right. Now, so in verse twenty three, if a person speaks something, confesses something, and Jesus said, and shall not doubt in his heart. In other words, if he believes the words he is speaking with his mouth he will have exactly what he said. Now, the word doubt there in the Greek language is very interesting. It's, it's the uh, Greek word diakrinomai, which means to hesitate, to waver, to doubt, or, or listen to this, to differ, D-I-F-F-E-R. So here's how you tell if, if you've begun to entertain those thoughts of doubt. Okay, so if you have something different going on up here than what is going on down here, then those are thoughts of doubt. Okay, and again, the key is don't let those differing thoughts go from here and get down to here. What do I mean by that? Well, you're believing in your heart that by his stripes I'm healed. You know, I might be dealing with some sickness and disease, and the word says that Jesus took that and by his stripes I'm healed. I'm believing that down in my heart. Well, all of a sudden, the thought crosses my mind that says, well, you know, your pain is still there. That pain, you're still dealing with that pain, so you must not be healed. Well, is that different than what I'm believing in my heart? Yes, it's different. So what that means is that is a thought of doubt. So I've got to deal with that. No, in Jesus' name, by his stripes, I'm healed. I'm not going to entertain thoughts of doubt. I am healed. And so that's where how you address those thoughts of doubt. So in essence, what Jesus is saying here is when a person's heart doesn't differ from what his mouth is saying, the combination of his heart and his mouth in agreement will always produce results. Let me say that again. Jesus is saying that when a person's heart doesn't differ from the words that are coming out of their mouth, what their mouth is saying, the combination of your heart and your mouth in agreement will always make things happen. I'm going to say it one more time. Jesus is telling, because this is so important. Jesus is telling us that when the words of one's mouth, or let me back up, when a person's heart doesn't differ from what their mouth is saying, the combination of your heart and mouth being in agreement will always make things happen. Okay. Now I like to call this the heart mouth connection, the heart mouth connection in the life of a believer. This is one of the most powerful things that can take place in your life. When your words that are coming out of your mouth, get into agreement with what's in your heart results happen. That's how you got born again. 
You mm -hmm. believed in your heart that Jesus died for you, that he was raised from the dead, and I make him the Lord of my life. And then you said that with your mouth. You got your mouth in agreement with what you believed in your heart. Guess what happened? You got born again. Something mm -hmm. happened spiritually. Things began to change for you at that moment. All right? Why? Because what you believed in your heart got in agreement, or your words of your mouth, rather, got in agreement with what you believe in your heart. And when the two of those are working together, results will happen. That's what we read in Isaiah 55, and that's what Jesus is telling us here, okay? So, by the way, have you ever thought about this? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, that if you believe in your heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead and, and you make him Lord of your life, you shall be saved. So get this, think this through with me. Mm -hmm. You have to believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and believe that he is Lord of your life and say that he is Lord of your life before he actually becomes Lord of your life. When does he become Lord of your life? The moment that you put those two together the belief in your heart and the words in your mouth, but you have to say it before it actually happens. Mm -hmm. And the same, again, the principles of faith work the same in every area. You believe it in your heart. You believe God's word in your heart. And when your mouth gets in agreement with what you believe in your heart, it is impossible for that not to happen. Are you tracking with me? Oh, yes. Okay. So, for instance, if you believe in your heart that Jesus purchased your healing, that it belongs to you, and you put your heartfelt faith together with the words of your mouth saying, I believe I am healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, not because I feel different, but because God's word says so, then you can literally bring that healing into manifestation in your physical body by and through your faith. Now, here's again, what does your faith do? Your faith opens the door for the healing power of God to be able to work in your life, to cause something that has already been established in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and already belongs to you, it can establish that as a reality in your life. Now, I want, to, I want to illustrate something for you, show you the difference between hope and faith, okay? And I hear believers say this, and they mean well, but they're not in faith. Here, listen, see if you can tell the difference. In Jesus' name, I believe God's going to heal me someday. <laughs> Versus, I believe I am healed because Jesus purchased my healing and it belongs to me. The first one was hope. The second one is faith. Why? Because the first one kept it out there in the future. Yeah, I believe God. I believe you can believe God is good. You can believe he's still a healer. You can believe he healed grandma. You can believe he healed those people in the Gospels. And as long as you believe that he's going to heal you one day, you're never going to be healed. 
because you're keeping it in the realm of hope when you need to bring it in the realm of faith. Hope, or faith rather, brings substance to the things that you hope for. In other words, my faith is giving substance to that that I'm expecting to happen in the future. In other words, I'm taking it in the realm of the future and I'm bringing it, bringing it into my life now by faith. Do you see the difference? Hello, everybody? Yes, yes. All right, I just want to be sure. All right, so God's create, write this down, please. God's creative power is released when the heart and mouth get into agreement. God's creative power is released when the heart and mouth get into agreement. Okay, now let's talk briefly. I'm almost out of time. Why does this work? Well, thank God, God gives us some explanation. All right. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to try and run through this as quickly as I can, because again, I'm, I'm almost out of time. All right. Now, the reason this works is this. All right. Let's say you're dealing with sickness and disease in your body. Let's say you're dealing with pain in your body. Well, that is very, very real. That is a fact. And let, let me, let me just say this. I know I've said this before and I know you've heard it, but being a faith person does not mean you deny the facts. Okay. That that's foolishness. It might be a fact that you have pain in your body. It might be a fact that the x-ray shows something. It might be a fact that the MRI or CAT scan showed growths or whatever the case might be. That might be a fact. But Jesus said, just make a note of this scripture, John 17, 17. John 17, 17. Jesus said this, talking to the Lord in prayer, talking to God, his father in prayer, your word is truth. Mm -hmm. His word is not a truth. His word is truth. Now, one thing you need to understand is this. God's truth is the highest truth. There is no truth higher than God's truth. Okay, you hear people say, well, you know, that's just my truth. No, <laughs> that just might be what you believe, but it's not the truth. All right. God's word is truth. Now, um, again, to save time, make a note of Romans chapter 1. Verses 22 through 25. Romans 1, verses 22 through 25. And I'm just going to give you a synopsis of what these verses say. This is where uh, in Romans 1, Paul says that people uh, that are lost claim to be wise, but they're utter fools. And the reason being is because instead of admiring the creation and seeing the creator, they began to worship the creation and ignore the creator. Now, why does, and, and this bothers God. I mean, this is what 
God says, you know, he, he will turn them over to a reprobate mind when people begin to do this. Why? Why does this not work for God? Well, the reason being is because you have chosen to worship the creation and not the creator, and the creation is subject to the creator. In other words, one is less than the other. Creation is less than the creator. Okay, so for instance, if I made this pen, if I built this pen, if I put all the parts together, I built it from scratch, and I made this pen, okay, this pen is not greater than me. I'm greater than the pen because I created it. So what would you think if people started, and, and you know, I'm not saying I'm God, but what would you think if people started worshiping this pen, and I'm God, and instead of worshiping me, the creator, they decide to start worshiping the pen. God has a problem with that. Why? Because this is subject to the creator. All right. Now, why am I saying that? And that here's why. Get this. Everything in this visible realm, everything, all of creation is or was created by the word of God and is therefore subject to the word of God. Let me say that again. Everything in creation was created by the word of God. Trees, dirt, your flesh, um, you know, and not maybe not your flesh specifically, of course, but taking it all the way back to Adam and Eve, but mm -hmm. everything in this visible realm came into existence. It was created as God spoke it. Yeah. All right. So therefore everything in creation is subject to God and his word. So what am I saying to you? What I'm saying to you is this, that when you put the word of God in your mouth, and you speak it forth, everything in creation has to fall in line with that truth. And that truth has the ability to override and change facts. Now, so let me, let me break this down for you. So in the natural, it might be a fact that you have pain in your body. It might be a fact that you got a bad report from the doctor, and I'm just talking about healing right now. It might be a, a fact that you have a pain in your head. You're experiencing a headache. But when you believe the word of God and you put the word in your mouth, the word or, or that pain is subject to the word of God. So when you speak the word of God, that natural thing has no choice but to come in line with the thing that it's subject to, which is the word of God. Does that make sense to you? Okay. All right. So my physical body, ultimately, going all the way back to Adam and Eve, was created by God's word. So when my body is, is not acting in line with the word of God, when I speak the word of God, the truth of God's word overrides the facts of what might be going on in my body. 
and has the ability to change it. Are you listening? Okay. All right. Now, and I'm going to have to stop right there because I'm out of time. <laughs> Doesn't time fly when you're having fun? Oh, yes. Okay. So I'm wanting you to understand the power that is released in our lives, the power of God that is released in our lives when we put his word in our heart and then we get our mouth to come in line with what is in our heart. It comes into agreement and we speak it forth, it has the ability to change natural circumstances. Okay? All right. Praise the Lord. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.